0: And welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Alex Ivers is back again. So as you see, if you guys are watching on YouTube, I have redesigned kind of my template of what I'm doing my podcast on. As I said, if you're watching on YouTube, I have the logo at the top. I have what we can be found on at the bottom. Instagram, Spotify, Podbean, podcast platforms, YouTube, and social media platforms as well. I don't intend on making a Facebook, but if I have to, I will also we got you know the list of things we're going to go through today's specials uh giants are apparently going to sign alex tanney if he passes all the protocols they're going to bring him to seattle to have him on the practice squad or maybe even elevate him but i'm pretty sure they might do that for clayton torson anyway so um just as like assurance because of all the Broncos situation nobody wants to be short on quarterbacks and the Ravens situation as well giants cut chris williamson their seventh round pick we'll talk a little bit about that not too much Stock up, stock down. Who played well against the Bengals? Who didn't? Who needs to come up this week? Who needs to stay where they're at? Injury report. Which key players are out for the Giants and the Seahawks this week? The stat station. Which teams have better stats in this category, that category, and more? Keys to win. What are the keys to win with the Giants? And how can they win with Colt McCoy, quarterback? And how can they win on defense as well? And players to watch is also very important. So, um, this is the toughest opponent that the Giants have this season. Which really is, I was going to say, you know, Baltimore, but over the last couple of weeks, they haven't been playing well. I'm pretty sure they lost to Tennessee in overtime. Uh, they lost to the um, Pittsburgh Steelers on Tuesday. That was like, what was that game? Actually, it wasn't Tuesday. It was Wednesday because uh, it was a 340 game, but that game was really ugly in my opinion. It really was. Um, but yeah, the Seahawks are the hardest opponent right now. I believe they are the one of the two seed in the NFC they lead their division we lead our division so it's gonna be interesting we got to talk about a lot of things today so quickly get it off the chest Giants intend to sign Alex Tanney to a contract probably like a minimum worth going to practice squad uh everybody is all touchy-feely about the situation now with quarterbacks because you know the Broncos had to go with their wide receiver Kendall Hinton from the practice squad and he was quarterback at wake forest so they had to get him on the roster you know saturday night he was told hey you're playing quarterback so um very irresponsible by the broncos i think it was like something about not wearing masks or not quarantine or something like that but the ravens should have had that same situation in my opinion because like the nfl let's be honest they put that game to wednesday and they started postponing and postponing and postponing that game because it's market the ravens are a better team than the broncos and the nfl wants to make money and you know look at the marquee matchups the ravens if they had everybody or at least had some they would have made it you know very very more competitive then let's just say if they didn't and obviously they were still somewhat competitive but the play calling was just meh i mean i know you don't have lamar or mark ingram or jk dobbins but like i don't know i just didn't see a lot uh Steelers didn't play that well either I don't think that they're going to be a Super Bowl team but I could be wrong I think the Chiefs can beat them but going to Denver side um they faced New Orleans and Taysom Hill was the quarterback and obviously the Broncos were home but same thing applies again you know they had a quarterback uh who was a wide receiver for the longest time and hadn't played uh quarterback since Wake Forest in 2017 but that's not my point right now uh Good move by the Giants, especially with his Daniel Jones injury. Clayton Torson is likely to back up Colt McCoy in Seattle. But, you know, to get Alex Tanney some, I don't know, maybe some reps or at least, you know, have him go through a walkthrough, seems fine by me. Um, Tanney is familiar with this team. He played with this team for two years. He was a backup quarterback, then he was the third string quarterback, got cut in the off season. Well, not really off season, but like the transition to the regular season and You know, he knows the team. He knows some of the players. You know, he's thrown to them. You know, it's not all like a blur to him. So um, the other player they were considering signing was Joe Webb. He would have been like, I would say accessible in a quarterback situation. And also in another situation with like wildcat formations because he was a mobile quarterback back in his college days. So that is obviously um, another reason they would probably bring him on because you need some flexibility in that offense. And we don't know what we're going to get. As far as Colt McCoy, um, and the whole offense goes, because Jason Garrett's like, you know, his play calling hasn't been the greatest this season. However, I'm willing to give him another chance to these next five games. So, uh, also the Giants released Chris Williamson from the practice squad to make room for when Tanny signs that is likely tomorrow. Um, I'm not surprised, honestly. I thought with Joe Judge and his attitude, they would have kept him, you know, evaluate what you got in draft picks and stuff, but uh, a lot of teams intend or do release really 7th round draft picks because they're like, you know what, this guy's a scrap, goodbye. Um, a lot of teams have done that, we've done that multiple times, so again, there's no surprise here. Good luck to Chris Williamson, he competed in training camp, obviously didn't make the roster as a 7th round pick, so he decided, you know, the Giants decided... He's not worth anything anymore. Good luck to him, though. So, stock up, stock down. Let's get to it. Uh, Evan Ingram, other than the fumble, six receptions, I believe, like 132 yards. Very good game. Highest receiving game he's had in a long time. So, you know, if he removes that fumble, maybe he's, you know, um, better. Maybe uh, Giant fans start forgiving him more. But, again, you know, again, stock up. But, again, just do not fumble. I mean yeah Von Bell did a nice job of knocking it out but again fumbles a fumble Sterling Shepard you know he's always in the mix I think he had like seven receptions for like 84 yards or something like that he's always going to be in the mix as that receiver that gets 50 60 yards a game I like Shep unfortunately he gets injured a lot so that's my grievance with him Logan Ryan he's fantastic he should make the Pro Bowl a lot of Giants fans want him back I know my friend cop pizzle doesn't because he thinks you know he's up there in age and the giants don't need to sign him long term but i think he should make the pro bowl i would like him to come back but also at the same time i think we need to make our youth better and give them more playing time because if you're going to keep playing logan ryan at free safety next year where's xavier mckinney gonna come in you know he's a second round pick but he's had a lot of forced fumbles this season has an interception uh he had the forced fumble on Drew Sample, the tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, you know, he's done pretty well for this team so far. Jabal Sheared, he had that sack, forced fumble. Leonard Williams picked it up. Giants won the game. Uh Leonard Williams had fumble recovery and also the sack earlier in the game on the stunt. And he basically, you know, mismatched I don't know who the other rusher was, but Jonah Williams pretty much couldn't handle Williams. Williams on Williams no less, but uh he sacked Brandon Allen. He's done a great job this season. Isaac Yaidum other than the touchdown in the end zone, which shouldn't have happened, he's done really well in the last two games. I think he stays around for next year. I'm trying to get sympathy for him, and I'm growing to that point. But let's see if he, you know, proves it next game because we're going to need corners for the next game. You know, you got DK Metcalf, you got Tyler Lockett. None of those guys have injuries. so, And we're going to talk about which Seahawks players have injuries that could affect this game and what their game plan is. Let's see. Donnie Holmes that pass interference call was absolute bullshit but he's been improving last two weeks you know he's gotten real physical with the ball I mean two pass interference penalties you could say oh uh, two pass interference penalties in the last two weeks yep yeah. okay one was deserving one wasn't you know let's look at the film here guys let's not just look at stats oh he got two pass interference penalties in the last two weeks he's bad no uh Andrew Thomas Shane Lemieux didn't allow a pressure Lemieux, good in the run game. Obviously, PFF likes to screw him in the grades for the people that listen to him. I don't. There There he is, Slayton for stock down. Now, the reason I'm saying this, he's had two targets. Daniel Jones, maybe better communication, better coordination with that long throw that could have set us up for something, and you would have to risk something for something. What do I mean by that? You don't lay out on that throw. You're not getting it. Slayton, maybe it counts as a drop. Slayton lays out for it, makes the catch, doesn't get the touchdown. So it's, you know, it's you take away this or you take away that. I don't know in that situation. Cameron Fleming, again, every time, you know, he gets out of his stance, he proceeds to hold somebody, even if he's not being, you know, rushed very, like, aggressively. Like, it's just so complicating with him. And I hope that, like, Parrott gets more reps this week at right tackle. I don't think that will happen because he's coming off COVID and he could have uh, some fatigue. This injury report is brought to you by AllToDoWithGaming.com. Save up to 30% on your entire order with the promo code bigblue 30 So, Daniel Jones, hamstring injury, he's likely doubtful. David Mayo with knee injury, he's likely questionable. The rest of the guys seem good to go. Nate Ebner, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. And here is where we get to the Seahawks players. Here are doubtful people, or doubtful players, I should say. Cornerback Trey Flowers... He is, I believe, their number one or number two corner. Nonetheless, he plays a significant role in that defense. They haven't been good all year. And minusing a corner is not going to do much. So he has a hamstring injury. He's likely doubtful. Travis Homer, who's on my fantasy team, wrist, thumb, and knee. That's like a lot of injuries there. He's doubtful. Running back. Tackle Brandon Shell, former Jet. He has an ankle injury. He's doubtful. Look at the questionables. And I'm going to save the best for last in like this because there is a reason. Okay, running back Carlos Hyde has a toe injury. Kyle Fuller, the offensive lineman, he has an ankle injury. Damien Lewis, the rookie guard from LSU, he has a groin injury. Carlos Dunlap, a foot injury. We're going to talk about the significant role he plays later on, because there's an impressive stat out there that many look at, including myself. You know, he's going to really have some impact if he plays. If he doesn't, then. It's going to be the same old Seahawks defense, in my opinion, if the Giants can get something going. All right, so let's go to the stat station. As I said uh, before, I'm like doing a n- new thing about today's specials. I'm going to have nicknames for um, new segments, so I'm going to get ready and you know go into this right away. New stuff, new creativity. So let's go to the stat station for the Giants. They rank 29th, and this is offense, by the way, 29th in total yards per game. 28th in passing yards per game they've improved tremendously with this rushing yards per game they used to be 32nd at the beginning of the year moved up to 16th because of wayne gallman and alfred morris and all the running backs 30th in points per game now let's take a look at that defense it's pretty good they're 10th in total yards per game 19th in passing yards per game 5th in rushing yards per game and 10th in points per game pretty good now, this is like a Dallas matchup, in my opinion, and I'm explain at the end. Offense. For the Seattle Seahawks, they're 5th in total yards per game. They're 4th in passing yards per game. They are 13th in rushing yards per game. And they're 3rd in points per game. Now, let's take a look at that horrible defense. 32nd in total yards per game. 32nd in passing yards per game. 3rd in rushing yards per game. And I'll explain and make a connection here. And then, you look at the points per game of are 26th. And what do I mean by saying... This is a Dallas matchup because going into week five, we had one of the worst offenses in the league. We had not scored a touchdown in over two weeks, but we had one of the best defenses that kept us in games. Rams game, Bears game, Steelers game to some extent, the first half of the 49ers game, and Dallas, week five, had one of the best passing offenses in the league. Running, you know, it was like meh, but passing, they had at least 400 yards per game in the passing game, or at least like something like 350, 360, 370. So it's an even matchup on the offense-defense. Seattle, they have a good offense. We have a good defense. Going back to week five, Dallas had a good offense. We had a good defense. We still do. Now you take a look, both at the time, Cole McCoy, Daniel Jones, doesn't matter. The offense is bad for us their defense is bad <laughs> now dallas they didn't have one specific category where they stood out the passing game was not good and they were last or next to last with their texas counterparts the houston texans in rushing yards per game seattle is third in rushing yards per game on defense and we are fifth so my opinion jason garrett if you are to be smart about this You are to attack that secondary in some way, shape, or form. Because if you go to the running game, you're done. And I'm not saying you're done if you go to the running game at all. But if you heavily rely on the running game, you are not doing yourself or your team any justice. I'm tired of the conservative play calling. And I understand you have a backup quarterback who hasn't started since like 2016, 2017, 2018. Something around that span. And he hasn't won a start since 2017, no, 2014 against Dallas. So my thing is, look at where you're at and don't just say, okay, we're going to rely on the running game. No, you have to balance it out with what you have. Because if you say, oh, stick to the running game, this is not the 32nd ranked run defense. This is the third ranked run defense. We're the fifth. What if Russell Wilson was out and they put in their backup quarterback? I don't even know who it is. I think it's like Geno Smith or maybe somebody else. What if they put in their backup quarterback and decided to run the football all the time? I mean, let's see where they are on offense. They're 13th in rushing yards per game. We're 5th in rushing yards per game allowed. So that's not smart there. They would have to get something in the passing game going. We may not have those weapons they do, but we have weapons. When they can be utilized, how they can be utilized, that stuff. So that has to be, you know, where... This offense is. You can't over rely on the run game because they're third and run defense. And you can't forget the pass game because we have weapons and Colt McCoy, we need to use him correctly. To using him at all. Okay. Keys to win. And I'm going to talk about that right now. Uh, Shout outs to Chris the Entertainer. Because he had these tweets, and I decided, you know what, let me take some of his stats, so I'll credit him. I was actually supposed to go on his channel uh, on Saturday, tomorrow, but I have a small thing to do, and unfortunately, I will not be home, but he was going to have me. Uh, again, thanks for the offer, Chris, if you're listening, but I was supposed to be at his roundtable. i want to talk Giants and all that stuff, but next time he goes live or something, I'm going to try to be on. <laughs> so, I'm going to go with three to one. I'm going to go three, I'm going to go two, I'm going to go one. So let's go to three to one here, guys. Number three, get this offense going and dominate time of possession. Now, I have a stat for this. The Giants are three and two when leading time of possession, but one and five when losing time of possession. That one win, I believe, is against Washington the first time. That's when a lot of Giant fans were like, I don't feel good about this win. I mean, that felt good because, you know, it was a win. What are you going to say? Oh, uh, you know, it's a competitive loss, but you know what? That's not a good win. No, I'm not going to say that because I'm, you know, very, very thankful that we have four wins this season. I'm very thankful for that one. So, that's there. Um, Get the offense going, as I just said before. You can't over-rely on the run game because, you know, going back to 2014, I looked at two certain games. It was against Tennessee and it was against another team. I think it was against Dallas, actually, when Colt McCoy, I think, was with the Redskins at the time. Now, Colt McCoy, his first game that he played, I believe, was Week 7, and he played against the Titans, he had like a 91% completion percentage, and I'm like, hmm, but he's not that type of quarterback. That's because they probably, in my opinion, now I didn't look at the box score, he probably, the offensive coordinator at the time, I don't know who it is, probably relied more on the run game. I think it was Sean McVay, or if it wasn't, it was somebody else, but they probably relied more on the run game because they had 15 total passes that game 14 were completed go to the next game he passed a little more i think he had like 30 to 35 pass attempts and he was completing like 80 something percent of them. so in my opinion as i said before you need to have the run game in there but you can't just over and cover it with a blanket no you can just say, okay, we'll pass uh, Colt McCoy for about 15 times. We'll have the running game go for like 30 times. No, because, again, Seattle is third in run defense. And what are we, just not going to take advantage of their terrible secondary? And I get, oh, Jamal Adams is coming back. But he hasn't done great this season in coverage. He's been not that good. And I'll read the stats later. And Pete Carroll, he knows how to coach. So this is a game where... He's gonna try to figure things out because he knows we have weaknesses. He's a smart guy. Number two, cover wide receivers well, and I'm gonna come up with a stat for this. Well, it's not coming up with a stat; it's using a stat. Number two, cover wide receivers well. In two of three Seattle losses this season, they're eight and three. Metcalf was held under 50 yards, and mind you, I will read the stats later. There were times where he got under 50 yards. And they won. And some of those times, Tyler Lockett was prioritized more, where it was Chris Carson. But just keep that in mind. If we have James Bradbury on him, and let's just say either Yidoms on it or Ryan's on it or somebody's on it and they hide, meaning Patrick Graham, he hides in the number two corner. And the rush gets to the quarterback because they're last or at least one of the last in categories regarding sacks given up because their offensive line my opinion isn't the greatest when it comes to that now running the football they're good but obviously you know we're gonna have to stop that in the passing attack so that's just you know points to make right there but again still that's where i'm coming from on that cover the two receivers well david moore can also be a threat if those two because we have this tendency of you know this has been going on for a couple of years now whether you know Where we like cover the number one guy. We cover the number two weapon. But the three and four break out for good games. Like Cam Sims against the Giants the second time. Like who's this nobody? So they would have to devise a game plan to just somewhat limit the passing game. And I'm going to get into that with this key. That key is forced turnovers. Credit Chris the Entertainer with this stat. In Seattle's three losses, they've turned over the ball 10 times. And that's combined in those three losses. That's 3.33 per game, obviously, if you could do the math. In Seattle's eight wins, they've turned it over only four times, which is really good. 0.5 per game. What do the Giants have to do this game? They gotta help them turn over the ball, make mistakes, cover the guys, do something on defense, you know, hide the number two corner. Get to the passer. Call blitzes. You know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm this defensive strategist. Oh, you got to do this, this, and this. You know, I'm not no Bobby Skinner. Bobby does a good job with the all-22 defense streams. Shout-outs to him. But the Giants, I believe, are fourth in takeaways this season. And going back to last year when we had a negative turnover differential, this is a significant improvement. Now, mind you, we have talent. You know, Leonard Williams has become something you have Kyler Fackrell, even though he's on IR. Unfortunately, I don't know if he's coming back this season. Um, you also have Logan Ryan. You have Lake Martinez, Jubal Peppers. His, he's been doing well. Um, so you have pieces on the defense. And a lot of the forced fumbles have been coming from Logan Ryan. I think he has like three on the season. Utilize the defensive pieces you have and go after the football. Whether it's in Russell Wilson's hands. Whether it's in receivers' hands. Go after the football and make a play. Because according to this stat, they've turned it over 10 times in those three losses. And we've done a pretty damn good job of forcing turnovers. Bradbury, uh, Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, those guys have interceptions. Blake Martinez as well. Doesn't seem all that hard, but it can be. Go after the football and just Play and the offense in this game especially and I'm not expecting them to throw all oh, uh, 300 yards per game no because this is this is Colt McCoy we're talking about Seattle's going to adjust their game plan but the offense whether it's the running game or it's the passing game has to take advantage if this defense gets the turnovers from Seattle or else we're going to go into a Chicago game where a Julian Love interception turns into a field goal. And James Bradbury interception turns into a nothing burger. We can't be making mistakes with other mistakes. We can't be given gifts and not giving them back. That's my status. That's my motto. The holidays, they're about giving. And getting to as well. You give the offensive shot, they give you something back. Points against the Seattle defense, I'm pretty sure that we can do that. Because unlike those fake sportscasters out there and those casual fans who listen to the bums on the radio, we have a chance against Seattle. I'm not picking the Giants to win, but we have a chance against Seattle. Because what the casuals will say is, oh, the Giants, you know, they're going to get blown out by Seattle. You know, the Seattle has a great offense. What did we do against the Rams week 4 when everybody was saying that about us? We were coming off a 49er loss where we got absolutely destroyed. They have two good wide receivers. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Yeah, the 55 yard touchdown for Cooper Cup. Anything else? Like any big explosive plays other than that? I don't really see any. Final score of that game was 17-9. to The offense didn't take advantage. Daniel Jones threw a game ending interception. So don't let the casuals tell you, oh, the Giants are going to get blown out by the Seahawks. They got Colt McCoy quarterback. and You know, maybe Jones. If he was in there, he wouldn't have won. Think for yourself. Look at the stats. Look at the background. Because this team has a chance to fucking win. Joe Judge, he should be coach of the year this year. I'm sorry. For all the people, you know, saying, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. I have to look at the coach of the year candidates when they come out. But... For other people on the outside that don't listen to the beat media, that don't listen to the guys on the inside, Joe Judge has been extremely, extremely impressive as a fucking coach this year. And I hope he's the coach for the next couple of years if progress follows that. Players to watch. Let's go on to the final subject. And this deals a lot. And I'm going to talk about Carlos Dunlap here. So Russell Wilson this season, and I'll point out, like, the games where he's turned over the ball. Russell Wilson this season, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 70.7 completion percentage, 35 sacks, and 74.9 QBR. So let's take a look at these stats real quick. Uh, in the games where he's turned over the ball the most, would be going back to the Arizona game, which was, like, he completed 66% of his passes. Ty Lockett had a huge game. Uh, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Also, take a look at the game against the Rams. They lost 23-16. to Two interceptions there. Two interceptions against Buffalo. Other than that, he's thrown one interception in some of those games, but they haven't lost. If you force Russell Wilson into a turnover or multiple, you are likely to go back on offense, dominate time of possession, and take advantage. That's if they do. Because if they don't, and he throws two, three interceptions, maybe... And the offense doesn't convert, then you're making yourself look like a bunch of morons. For lack of better words. Because, again, stats show he's turned it over against Arizona three times two times against Buffalo, two times against the Rams. That's their three losses right there. Other games, he's turned it over only once with an interception. And notes also had two fumbles against Buffalo. Also had two fumbles against Arizona the second time. Even though they won that game. That's a total of four. Actually three or four turnovers. Against the Buffalo Bills. I'm not saying we're Buffalo. But once again. Turning over the ball is going to be very. Very key. For this defense to do. They need to force the turnovers. And get the ball back. And have the offense dominate time of possession. And get the ball downfield. DK Metcalf. The biggest threat on offense besides Russell Wilson. 58 receptions, over 1,000 yards, 1,039. 17.9 per reception with 9 touchdowns. Absolutely fucking dominating. A lot of people say, you know, this receiver's better. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, um, any other receiver you could probably name. Metcalf is it. Metcalf has to be in that top 5 conversation at the end of the year he really does and again, I think I referenced it earlier when I was talking about covering the receivers well, 2 of the 3 losses he's been held under 50 yards the only game, or I should say the only loss they had when he was held above 50 yards, let's take a look everybody that was the Buffalo game 7 receptions, 108 yards and a touchdown so Let's just say, you know, the Giants win. Maybe they go into that category where they hold him under 50 yards. Maybe give up a touchdown, like maybe a chunk play. Maybe they go into that category where people are like, okay, we need to cover him well and hold him under 50 yards and force turnovers in order to dominate the Seahawks. Maybe they start figuring him out that way. I don't know. But this guy is a hell of a receiver. He had two touchdowns against... San Francisco the other week. Two touchdowns against Minnesota. He's great. He really is. Tyler Lockett. 70 receptions. 771 yards. 11 yards per reception with 8 touchdowns. Among those two wide receivers, that is total 17 of his 31 touchdowns this season. That is just over half. Again, pretty fucking good. By the way, the Seahawks... They'd probably be my favorite team behind the Giants. Tyler Lockett, when he breaks out, he fucking breaks out. And I don't mean to curse a lot, but we have to put so much emphasis that this is the toughest matchup the Giants will face all season. Had 9 receptions, 100 yards, and 3 touchdowns against Dallas. He had 3 touchdowns, 15 receptions, 200 yards against Arizona the first time they lost. He had 1 kick return touchdown. Or if that's a touchdown or is that total. Against New England and Dallas. So he finds other ways to get touchdowns if it's not through the passing game. Because he's their number two. Metcalf is their number one priority. If he's not open, they'll throw to locket. That's why it's so important for Patrick Graham to either hide the number two corner. Or devise some sort of game plan to cover locket up. Because if you have... Bradbury on the Metcalf and Bradbury does a nice job Lockett's going to go out there and try to prove himself and Wilson will find him if he is given the time because we know that Patrick Graham can scheme a pass rush pressure whatever I think we're first in quarterback knockdown percentage we're like fourth in pressure percentage or something like that you know I'm not that big in analytics but come on people these are the proving points here Jamal Adams Let's take a look. I have his stats on another page. and I'm going to get them right just now. So I was talking about those uh, coverage stats. Let me get those before I go on to the others. Because he's an edge rusher, basically. I mean, people call him Blitz Boy, which I think is really funny. But he did force a fumble twice on Daniel Jones last year when he was with the Jets. And one of them was a touchdown. Because Saquon couldn't pass protect. Not just that, though. But the whole offensive line was terrible. Six sacks only one rushing yard so in coverage this season he's allowed 20 completions on 26 targets 76.9 completion percentage 330 yards 16.5 yards per completion and 12.7 per target he has not given up a touchdown in coverage but an 118.3 passer rating (laughs) now reason people call him blitz boy six and a half sacks 18 pressures five quarterback knockdowns 12 quarterback hits which he will probably eclipse and go higher than how many quarterbacks he's hit in a single season, or at least how many hits he's gotten. Because right now he is 12. Last year at 13 with the Jets. And as a quote, edge rusher, blitz boy, whatever you want to call him, he's thriving. And again, I have not watched the film on him, but just looking at the stats right here, I know they don't tell the whole story. But he's pretty good. And if I'm not mistaken right now. With the pass rush that the Seattle Seahawks have, he probably is the leader. I'm serious. He probably is the leader in the pass rush because before they got Carlos Dunlap, they didn't have anybody, and they still don't have anybody. And I'm gonna get to Dunlap next because he makes a significant impact on the Seahawks game plan. Benson Mayawa, Alton Robinson, uh, some other guys. Note to note that you will have Damon Snacks Harrison in there. I don't know if he's going to be Giants good when he was with the Giants and the Jets run stopping, but it is key to note they are third in that category, and I guess he's made an impact with that. I don't know how many rushing yards they got, or allowed, I should say, against the Eagles last week, but let's keep that in mind. But going back to my point about Carlos Dunlap, over the last four games with Seattle, remember he was traded from the Bengals, three and a half sacks. That is an impact player. And a lot of people thought, oh, Dunlap is finished, you know, this, 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 and that. Well, obviously he wasn't thriving in his system with the Bengals. And let's explain something, everybody. Seattle's the worst pass defense in the NFL. The Bengals, they're one of the most terrible in pass defense. They're not as bad as the Seahawks. But Carlos Dunlap has found his way to the quarterback. Four and a half sacks. I'm so excuse me. Three and a half sacks in four games with the Seahawks. I'm pretty sure he has one or one and a half when he was with the Bengals. It's coaching. This defense may not be good, but Pete Carroll and their defensive coordinator are trying to work hard to figure out what the hell is going on. Maybe Lou Anarumo and Zach Taylor didn't know what the hell was going on, so they traded Carlos Dunlap. He wanted a trade, I'm pretty sure. Gino Atkins he's probably gone next I'm sorry I mean he's 32 years old They probably don't have a reason for him And he's been getting limited reps And whatever the situation is But again it's coaching The defense may not look good But he's an impact The last three weeks I don't have the stats right now But they've improved with total yards per game Let's take a look at the individual stats Shall we So I'll do totals at the end Carlos Dunlap, when he was with Cincinnati in the first couple of games, two pass deflections, 18 tackles, two tackles for a loss, four quarterback hits, seven quarterback pressures, and a sack. Gets traded to Seattle over the next four games. Zero pass deflections, zero forced fumbles, 12 tackles, five tackles for a loss, eight QB hits, nine quarterback pressures, and three and a half sacks. Totals. Two pass deflections, zero forced fumbles, 30 tackles, seven tackles for a loss, 12 quarterback hits, 16 quarterback pressures, and four and a half sacks. So the only thing he did better in with Cincinnati is pass deflections and tackles. That's it. This guy can still do it somewhat at his age. I'm pretty sure he's like 30. I'm not too sure. But this is an important player for Seattle to have on Sunday. If it isn't... I am expecting... At huge rates... Unless Jamal Adams has some game like he did against the Giants last year... I am expecting this offensive line to extremely improve. No sacks last week. People would make the case. Oh, you know, it's uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you play to win. And you play for improvement in the NFL. It's not about opponents. Yeah, you can make the case. But again... People want to say, oh, you guys only won to Washington, uh, Philly, and uh, Cincinnati. I'm pretty sure the thing in sports is about beating your opponent. Yeah. For all the casuals out there that think this team isn't improving. So, final expectations, just to end off the show before I make an announcement. Um, If Carlos Dunlap plays... I don't know if he's going to line up against Cameron Fleming. I don't know if he's going to line up against Andrew Thomas. But you better prepare for that. You better. Because him and Jamal Adams are the best pass rushers on this team. Without them, they'd probably be one of the last in sacks. I'm pretty sure they're actually one of the top in sacks over the last couple of weeks. And accumulating them. Because you look at this defense. Right now. Who do you have on the pass rush? Here's the defensive line right now, and the total like amount of players. Like I don't know who's else. I don't know who else goes inactive every game. I'm not gonna look at that. Jonathan Bullard came over from the Cardinals last year. Well, I mean he w- didn't get traded, but like he got signed by Seahawks this year. Carlos Dunlap, as I mentioned, L.J. Collier, Puna Ford, Rasheem Green, Damon Harrison, Benson Maioa. Jerron Reed, and Alton Robinson. Other than Jerron Reed. And Damon Harrison in the run game, who scares you outside of Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap? To be honest with you, they don't scare me. Anyone outside of Adams and Harrison and Dunlap, maybe Jaron Reed as well. But if Dunlap is not playing, in my opinion, I am expecting some things. Unless they scheme a pass rush and outthink... Any of the coaches on our staff, I'm expecting an improvement. The run defense, Damon Snacks Harrison will probably, you know, probably commit to it. He will probably impact the run defense. But as for passing offense, Colt McCoy should have decent pocket presence. I'm not going to say he needs perfect because he hasn't started in how many years. But those are my final thoughts on that. So, um, before we end the show right here, I would like to thank all the people that are supporting me, rocking with me. I know a lot of people are probably new because Christian entertainer has like shouted me out in his videos when we've been talking on his live streams and whatever. But I have an announcement to make, and that is that I left all New York Sports a couple of days ago. Uh, it was business decision. I'm not gonna get into that because that's all in house stuff. I'm not gonna you know really relate to that. I tweeted out my twitter but i am a part of a new website incoming it's called uncut sports news me jordan are starting it up i'm going to advertise the shit out of it once it debuts next week if you guys are interested now this is not just you know all new york sports or la sports no nfl mlb nba ufc any like american sports or maybe some even european you want to cover let me know because we want to make this thing bigger we want to pay guys from the jump we want to formulate a plan we want to get successful and i think i have the ideas to do it jordan has the ideas to it we can have the staff to do it so guys if you're interested please tell me i'm very excited about this project i might consider bringing this podcast to be a part of uncut sports news follow them or at least the page on twitter and instagram because we're just starting it out if you guys want to apply the google form is in that bio but to end it off thank you guys for watching i might go live on sportscaster probably sunday morning or that before the jets game because i know they faced the raiders at one o'clock at medlife and i'm probably going to be watching that game so i'll go over my picks and everything i know i said i was going to incorporate picks but We're already running on the, I think, 40-minute mark here, 40-something. If it's not, it's like late 30s. Um, Thank you guys for supporting. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We can be found on every single platform you see below. If you guys are watching the YouTube version, if you're watching the podcast version or listening to it, I should say, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our podcasts are available on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. Thank you guys so much for the support, the engagement, everything else. Don't listen to media clowns. Don't listen to Michael Silver. Don't listen to any of those bullshits. The Giants can win this division. And if the Giants lose this week, but Dallas loses to Baltimore, Philly loses to Green Bay, and Washington loses to Pittsburgh, well, you're damn right. We're still in first place. Thank you, guys, and I'll see you guys on Sunday. If not, we'll see you for possibly... Losing Tuesday or Victory Tuesday? Who knows? Thank you, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time.